Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. Good afternoon, everybody. It is the Steve Jones Show. Macatrillo here with you. Steve will soon be there from the Sunbury Motors studio. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. And online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, all new pre-owned inventory. Great service department and excellent sales staff, all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. We got Ruben Frank from NBC Sports Philly joining us today, 335, as the Eagles host Tom Brady and the Super Bowl champs, the Bucks tomorrow night for Thursday night football at the link. And, of course, the Eagles coming off the big win, come from behind win at Carolina, 2-3 and three on the year, facing the 4-1 and one Bucks team that... Certainly continues to be on a roll, minus the Rams' loss. I know there's the Tom Brady injury, but not really much of concern, at least for me it's not, and it doesn't seem like it is around the league with the thumb. Bruce Arians mentioned that yesterday. Of course, there's going to be no Lane Johnson again as he continues to deal with his personal matters, so lots to get into with Rube coming up at 3.35 today. But let's start with Kirk Farron's Just, I just, I just laugh at his comments, his laughable comments from yesterday. And I know James Franklin already talked about this. I don't think we've gone in a whole, a lot of in, dis, in discussion with this with Steve. But the fact that he said his players smelled rat about when Penn State guys kept going down. I mean, first of all, again, as James Franklin mentioned. Iowa doesn't run an up-tempo offense. (laughs) So there's no rhyme or reason to even try and do that. Second of all, and this is my biggest question to Kirk Ferentz, did that rat smell come from your program? Just on the other sideline? Did that wind shift of that rat smell? Because I'm pretty sure there's a rat smell under your program right now. So, yeah, fraudulent program. All right, that might be a little harsh, but you got where I'm going with this. Who does this guy think he is? I mean, seriously. After all the allegations that his football team's been through, he's lucky to be head coach of the Iowa Hawkeyes right now. And he comes and pulls this off? 
Come on. Basically, in a game where he knows his team was definitely going to lose, probably by double digits, if Sean Clifford didn't get hurt. And Penn State still had a chance to win, even though they had 5,000 false start penalties against them. I mean, this these comments that we hear from some of these head coaches that have so much baggage with them now, it's really, it's just remarkable the amount of goyuns these coaches have sometimes in college football. <laughs> it just amazes me day in and day out. But yeah, where's that rat smell coming from? Did the wind shift from your program right now? That's all That's all I'm going to ask about that. Next thing is the fallout continuing with John Gruden's firing, or excuse me, resignation on uh, Monday night from the Washington football team report from the New York Times that came out. And what did I say at the top of the show yesterday? And we talked about it throughout the show yesterday, in fact. Where is the other accountability with guys like Dan Snyder and the rest of the Washington football team? Because that's what this investigation is about. It's not about John Gruden. John Gruden got into this, and rightfully so. Stuff got leaked out. Somebody had it out for him, which is wrong in itself. But either way, the actions were done. They're there. They're clear as day. They're in writing. He resigned. He was forced to resign, as he should have. I'm not disputing that at all. But again, going back to my point yesterday... I want the rest of the accountability for everyone involved in this. And that includes Dan Snyder and the rest of the ownership with the Washington football team. Bruce Allen's been handled somewhat. I know that there was the $10 million fine or whatever it was with Washington last year or whenever it came out a couple months ago. But now you're seeing the NFLPA calling on the NFL to release the rest of those emails, as are the 40 victims of the sexual assault allegations with Washington. And the minute I saw that, I tweeted out on Twitter exactly what I said verbatim. Now, there it is. So now, the ball's in the NFL's court to hold everybody accountable and to have full transparency. And we have still yet to hear from Roger Goodell on this. Oh, no. This he's is on, getting interesting. See? Verbatim. And look what's he's going on. on. It's not a rant. But I want, to bring, I want to bring this back, though. I started my rant with Kirk Ferentz. I'm going to ask you this question I just asked the audience, and I think they would agree. Did that rat smell, did that rat smell change directions from his own program? Just saying. <laughs> look. Uh, Ludicrous so comments. With, right. So let's start with Kirk Ferentz, Okay. There is a way to answer that question where you're attempting not to alienate your own fan base. Okay? So remember, that has to be one of the parameters here of what he's trying to do. So if you're sitting there and you're the head coach of X program, do you want to go out there and say, oh, they're awful, they're terrible, whatever, when you're, of course, trying to sell tickets? All right? So you have to at least couch what you say. That part I get. That part I get. The part I don't get is the smell of rat part. Okay, that part I don't get at all. He's a coach. He knows. I mean, 
mean, Riley Moss is out is out for two weeks, his corner. And of course, he's talking about yeah, he got he hurt himself on the interception. That's not where he hurt himself. <laughs> okay, you know where he hurt himself? Celebrating. Exactly. That's where he got, that's where he got hurt. All right, so let's be honest about it. That's not where he. That's not where he got hurt. He got hurt celebrating. He didn't get hurt on the actual play itself. And he was down on the field. All right. If he's in Beaver Stadium, nobody is booing him. It's just the way it is. You don't do it. Uh, and all right, you don't do it. But there's a way to say it of, you know, we have great fans, the whole thing. Out, You know, like maybe I, I was a bit surprised by it, whatever it may be. Okay? But then just leave it at that. Okay? And just go from there. Uh, what he said was wrong. And he says, you know, and I've been doing this for 23 years. Well, in 23 years, no offense, you ought to be able to, you ought to know how to answer that question. Where there's a slice of class while at the same time not alienating your own fans. Now, you know, he answered it wrong. He flat out answered it wrong. He approached it wrong. And this is a guy that usually doesn't approach it wrong. But this time he did. Now I'm going to assume what you're back on the Gruden bandwagon, right? That was my second part of my rant, yes. Because look, oh, look at... Oh, look oh, at... Oh, 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 you're ranting? Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yes, I was, believe it or not. Uh, I I can't believe I'm really I'm almost in a somebody must have heard me yesterday because now you got the NFLPA and the lawyers of the 40 victims going after the NFL to call on them to release the rest of those emails. I said that verbatim yesterday. Well, do you know what's interesting about this is that this this investigation is going after the Washington organization and Daniel Snyder. Don't you find it interesting the only thing they've released on it is Gruden? They haven't said a word about Washington. None. Zero. It's been about Gruden. I found that interesting. Now let's get to other parts that are interesting. Obviously, the league knew about the emails. Who do you think leaked them? The league did. So the league knew. Now here's the next part. I believe most people now believe that Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders, knew on Friday. Two days before the game. And that's a problem. That's a big problem. He knew on Friday. Dan Walken wrote this column, I think it was today, on Yahoo Sports, where he rips Dungy, Tony Dungy, and and uh, Mike Tirico for what they said on Sunday Night Football. And first of all, they're on live TV, and only the first batch of emails had been released at that point. 
Not the second batch. He stands with USA Today. My apologies. I think I said USA Today. It says, Dungy and Tariko should have known better when supporting Gruden. All right. Remember, when they're making their comments on live TV, they only knew about the first batch. It's the second batch that's like, holy mackerel. Okay. Tariko said, quote, I was with John all at... Uh, all that time, seven years as my partner on Monday Night Football. I probably know John better than anybody in the league on a personal level. He said it right. He was ashamed by the comments in the email. The comments in the email are wrong, but my experience kind of parallels Tim Brown, who played for John and is a Hall of Fame receiver. He said he never experienced or saw anything that would say John was racist in any way. That's exactly the experience I had those seven years of traveling three days together on the road together every week. Again, how are you going to be critical of somebody who, from their experience, that's what they experienced? If that's what you experienced, what are you supposed to say? I you know, I knew he was writing these emails when you didn't know it. How are you supposed to handle that? See, what bothers me in the post-mortem is a lot of people will sit there and they'll take shots at somebody, they have no idea what their experience was with somebody. None. None. Zero. And that bothers me all the time, where everybody comes to all these conclusions like, you know, you should have known. You should have known what? <laughs> what are you supposed to know? I mean, for goodness sakes. Um, I mean, the only open book we have in, in the world is a suit. I mean, it's kind of a scary world, to be honest with you. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. But nobody, you know, nobody is in somebody else's head. Nobody's around. Now, do, do people sometimes reveal themselves where you sit back and go, whoa. But what if they're on their guard all the time and don't? What are you supposed to think when somebody's on their guard all the time and they don't reveal it to you? Well, you're supposed to be Svengali? Right? I think the criticism of Tariko and Dungy, because remember, it was only after... Okay, this was after the first batch of emails. It was the second batch where everybody went, Whoa! Okay? And that's all Mike and Tony had to work with, and I think criticism of them, in my opinion, is a little bit too over the top. Stop being critical when you don't know what somebody's exact experience happened to be. Okay? Hey. You have no idea you weren't there for their experience with somebody. And for all you know, their experience was exactly how he claimed it to be. Right? I'm just defending Mike and Tony. I'm not defending Gruden in any way, shape, or form. Zero. No defense of Gruden. What he did was wrong. Okay? But how was he around these guys? We don't know. We're just doing it from the outside looking in, from 30,000 feet. And then you write a column critical of somebody like, how do you know? See what I'm saying? Totally agree. Right? It's... uh, Doing that to Tony Dungy and Mike Tirico, you don't know what their experience was around them. Okay? 
That's why I shake my head at that stuff. In other words, you're writing a column that's guessing. You're doing everything in 2020 hindsight. But, yeah. Yeah, that's always the point I make. Don't guess about what somebody's experience happens to be. Oh, I, I read the emails. I know what their experience had to be. They're wrong. Don't know? <laughs> Come on. All you know is the postmortem. All right. But Gruden's out, so, I mean, you already you already took care of business there. No? Sure. <laughs> These are your people. Jeez. Hey, my people are two and three getting ready for Tom Brady. I, I can care less about those people, the other people. Well, I mean, is this the week that Philly gets them? Think about the 24 hours Tampa's just experienced. In 24 hours, the Rays after 100 wins and the defending American League champions, lost to the Red Sox in the playoff. The Lightning raised the Stanley Cup banner last night and got drilled 6-2 to two by the Penguins. We're going to talk to Josh Getzoff, who's going to join us from Florida in the next half hour. And we go, and Ruben Frank's on today, right? Correct. We got Ruben Frank and... In the next half hour, and then we'll get. To oh, Josh. I thought he was at four. I thought he was four thirty-five. Yeah, we'll put Josh on so we actually get the ratings instead of going and talking about the Eagles, which will crush us. <laughs> uh, it's like, like talking about the two and three team versus the undefeated team. Okay, great. Can't wait for that segment. When's the undefeated team going to be on? <laughs> Just kidding. I thought Rube was four thirty-five. I apologize. Josh is four thirty-five. So we'll have. See, every time I go in to, to log into this to tell me when people are, I get you've been using any desk for more than 25 hours now. <laughs> it's like, really? See, I never, that's why I don't get the message board anymore. Now it's connecting. You want to know why it's connecting? Because I hit it on the side. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Because this is made in the old Soviet Union. All it understands is force. So, Rube, we'll talk about the Eagles, who at two and three are the talk of the NFL. Maybe not. Here <laughs> on News Radio 1070 WK, okay. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. 
The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way. The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford Kia Hyundai, best in new inventory. Great pre-owned inventory, all with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. It is all at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. Great to have back with us the great Reuben Frank, Philadelphia. Rube, how you been? Hey, what's going on? All right, so, uh, you know, the two and three... The Eagles are at this point. Uh, so, what have you liked so far? Where you're saying, "All right, I'm seeing building blocks." Yeah, well, most of those are on the offense. They've got some some really exciting young players. Um, obviously, Jalen Hurts has been a little inconsistent, but uh, done a lot of really good things. Twenty three year old kid who's made nine career starts and uh, kind of trending upwards. Uh, Devontae Smith. Looks like a stud in his first five games. Yeah. Uh, coming off, you know, 200 yards in his last two games. Uh, Kenny Gainwell, young running back who, who looks terrific. Late-round, fifth-round pick who's playing a lot and being very productive. Uh, so there's there's a lot of a lot of things to like on the offense. Um, and, and the defense um, has been up and down, but um, there, there's some signs of life there, too. They've held three of the five opponents to – what under 18 points so that's that's not bad and the other two teams are pat mahomes and dak prescott who been uh, putting up kind of historic numbers so far so um they haven't been awful they haven't been consistent really in any phase uh and, and that's the one thing that you know they, they need to work on in this next stretch but um there's definitely signs of life on both sides of the ball all right nick sirianni obviously is in his first year as a head coach just moving down five feet from where the coordinator was to being the head coach can be a different feel. So how do you feel about his play calling to this point and then also the management of being the CEO to this point? Yeah, well, I would have very different answers for those two, those two questions. I thought, no, I, I thought you might, yes. Yeah, he's been he's been terrific as far as getting guys to buy in, getting them to play hard. Um, he, he's a, a terrific motivator. Um, guys like him. They believe in him. Um, but the play calling has been, been really poor and, and inconsistent. And he's had trouble finding a rhythm to the offense uh, really for most of the season. Uh, they've struggled in the red zone. They've struggled on third down. They haven't run the ball. Uh, he gets away from the run too quickly week in, week in and week out. Um, so the play calling has been about uh, a D minus. I would say from Monday to Saturday, he's mm-hmm. you know he's done a really good job as a head coach. But his game day, you know, something he's never done. It's not an easy thing to do. And 
you know, we, we've seen that before from pretty good play callers. It takes them a while to pick up. See, you have a real flair for it, for for using all the weapons, getting the quarterback in a rhythm, uh, keeping the defense off balance, uh, being unpredictable, being creative, uh, being unscoutable. A lot goes into it, and, and he's still a work in progress when it comes to that. You know, it's interesting, um, and this is now this is a college level question. So your answer in the NFL may be different, but I know Jack Ham and I have always felt that if you had a quarterback that could move, it really changed. I mean, can legitimately run. It really changed how a team had to play red zone defense. Is that the same in your opinion in the NFL? And if so, is Sirianni not taking advantage of Hertz' threat in the red zone? No, I think it is true. It's a great question. I think, you know, you look at the Panthers game and, and Jalen had uh, two rushing touchdowns in the second half in the red zone. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's very, very difficult uh, to defend a a mobile quarterback in the red zone. And, you know, it's, it, it's, a, it's a real wild card. Um, I think their issues have been when, you know, he's been in the pocket in the red zone and, you know, they, they just haven't made plays. But when he gets out of the pocket – yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a real challenge, and you know, and they'll and they'll get there. And I I think um, you know Jalen is also still learning when to run, you know, when not to run, when to. I think the next big thing for him is throwing on the move. Like you can be such a weapon as a as a running quarterback when you don't run, when you you know you're you're still behind the line of scrimmage, and and defenders start coming up because they think you're going to run. You're rolling out. There's there's open space, but you know what? When those defenders come up, there's somebody open down the field, and you know you would take that that 22, 25 yard completion over a, a six yard run any time. So I think that's the next step for him. But uh, he he certainly and and the best thing about it, you know, you never see him take a big hit. I mean, you watch Lamar Jackson. Now. I don't know how that guy. I mean, incredible talent. I don't know how he survives. Every time he runs, he's looking for a linebacker out there. Yeah, um, Hurts has been really smart. Yeah, we haven't seen him take a big hit when he does run. He he gets what he can and and ducks out of bounds and, and for the, for safety and uh, live live to see another day. You know who's really good at that's Kyler Murray. Yeah, Kyler Murray. You know, and I think part of it's the baseball experience. I mean, the baseball experience. Same thing with Russell Wilson, at least until his latest, but. Like because they know how to slide or get out of bounds because they're because they're baseball players in the coast of their lifetime. I think that makes a big difference. It's one of those subtle small things, but it's to their advantage. It's amazing to me how many how many quarterbacks played uh, pro baseball were drafted, played high level college baseball. I'll never forget talking to Rodney Pete in the Superdome after the Rodney Pete and the Eagles beat the Saints. And we were standing in the tunnel just kind of talking after the game. And he said, you know, we, we I, I played my final college baseball game in this stadium. Wow. <laughs> you never think of those things. But so many, yeah, so many quarterbacks were, uh, I guess, you know, the, the, the skill set's different. But maybe the mental, what goes into it mentally, there's there's a lot of overlap. Yeah. And, part, and one of it is, it's a subtle thing. Those guys, quote, know how to slide. And yeah. they're used to, boom, getting themselves into a slot and avoiding contact when they do it. So is Hertz doing a better job of keeping his head up looking for a pass play just because now he's had nine games and so forth under his belt? Is he doing a better job of that? Yeah, there's no question. And, 
you know, he's he's still looking to throw first, and um, yes. th- that's important. And yeah, sometimes, sometimes he probably should take off and run when uh, you know when it's not there. But he he wants to be a pocket quarterback. He knows that you know to to really be a success. You know, listen, we had. We had Randall here, who was one of the greatest running quarterbacks I've ever seen, and Donovan, who was not too far behind him. And they both had their greatest success as players once they stopped running and really kind of grew into the passing offense. And I think that's the ultimate development for you know for a running quarterback. You still have that ability and that weapon in your back pocket, but you kind of evolve into a really dangerous problem. I mean, when Randall won the MVP for, for Billick with the Vikings, he only ran like something like 18 times that whole year. He just wasn't that guy anymore. So um, I think that's the next step, and I, th- I think Hurts is getting there. So I want to ask you about Devontae Smith. It's one thing to see a guy on TV where he just looked as a receiver unstoppable and another to see him in person. Seeing him in person, what impresses you, Rube? I think the two things, one that doesn't surprise me and one that has, um, he's just so smooth. And, you know, there's, there's no wasted motion, no wasted energy, and he just kind of... He kind of floats and glides down the field, and it's almost deceptive because he doesn't look like he's even moving that fast, but he's fast, and he's just effortless, um, very, just a very smooth player. Uh, but I think the most surprising thing about him is how tough he is. I had no idea. You know, he's a skinny guy. Um, he's not the biggest guy, but um, he'll mix it up. I mean, he'll he'll put his head down and, and fight, and, and he'll he'll scrap for the ball, on a jump ball, and um, he, he's a tough kid. He'll block. He's a willing blocker. I think that's the one thing that surprised me the most about him. He's not one of these, you know, p- pretty wide receivers that doesn't want to get physical. I mean, he's a physical player. Yeah, that's impressive. Now, the defensive side of the ball, every, you know, obviously there's always such a concentration, especially with Jalen Hurts on the offense. Subtly on defense, what have they done? And what do you think they and 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 how well have they played to this point that makes you think they have a chance against how Tom Brady and the Buccaneers want to attack it? Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much how much of a chance they really have. Uh, right. it, it's interesting. They haven't allowed between 18 and 34 points all year. So everything's been. They've had three really really good games where they shut down the Falcons and the 49ers and the Panthers, and then. You know, they got lit up by the, the Cowboys and the Chiefs. So there hasn't been any in between. And that's a little bit scary because, you know, Brady comes in at 44 years old playing, you know, literally playing as well as he ever has, which is, which is crazy. Um, their only chance, and it's what they did on Sunday in, in Charlotte, they, they had three takeaways and three sacks. And if, you know, if the D line plays the way it did and they really pressured Sam Darnold and they got. You know, they got to them. They they got sacks. They got hurries. They got hits on them, uh, and, and they got takeaways. Um, you're not going to do that against Brady. Uh, but I mean, that's you know, th- this defense was built on an elite defensive line, and they've underperformed. Uh, at least they did the first four games until Sunday, and then Sunday they kind of earned their keep. And you saw what happened. They by the second half they really uh, took control of the line of scrimmage and dominated that game. I think they held held the Panthers to three points in the in the second half. All right, so when they get into this one, obviously against Tampa, how important will it be early for the Eagles to get a lead and to see if they can play with that lead? Well, I mean, normally that's the case, but they, you know they don't run the ball, so 
I know. I, 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 don't, I don't even know. I don't even know. I mean, Tampa is just, I mean, they're so good on defense. And, you know, that's the thing. You think of Brady, but then you have this top five defense. And and, and they got the greatest quarterback in history. So on a short week where, you know, they didn't get back to Philadelphia until Sunday night. And, you know, they had a walkthrough Monday and a walkthrough Tuesday. And that's their practice week. So you're not really, you know, you don't really have the opportunity to install a whole bunch of new stuff for Brady. So, Uh, It's a tricky game, and, uh, you know, honestly, you just have to kind of, um, you know, hope that uh, he has an uncharacteristic day and that you can be really efficient on offense and, you know, try to to get into a shootout and and come out ahead. It doesn't hurt that it's at home. Um, Brady's maybe not the most popular guy in South Philadelphia, uh, so we'll (laughs) see how that goes. But, um, you know, they're going to have to play close to a perfect game on both sides of the ball. Uh, to be in this one, Ruba. I hope you don't mind me asking this, but uh, any thoughts on Gruden? Just you know, after seeing everything like all the rest of us have. Well, you know, I covered Gruden when he was offensive coordinator under Ray Rhodes from '95 to '97. Um, I mean, all I can say is I, I never, um, you know, there, there was never any issues on the record, off the record. Um, I never knew him that well. He was very elusive with the media, and he still is. I mean, he comes you know, on TV, he's got the big smile and everything, but uh, you try to interview him, and, you know, he he goes down the other hallway. He'll disappear <laughs> so fast. Um, but, you know, I never heard anything from any players. Uh, obviously, he was working under, you know, Ray Rhodes, African-American head coach. Um, the defensive coordinator was uh, – Emma Thomas, African American. Rodney Pete was the quarterback. Uh, Rodney and Randall there for for the first year, um, who, who were both black. So um, I never heard anything. I never heard any. Obviously, you know, considering what what they found, I mean, I, it's the right thing. Uh, he, 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 you can't coach after that stuff comes out, and and he shouldn't. But uh, my experiences uh, were limited with him for for those three years. But you know, never. Um, never heard or, or saw anything uh, inappropriate or offensive. Right. Rube, thank you so much. I appreciate it and appreciate you answering the last question as well. Thank you for your time and your analysis. So it's terrific. You got it. Anytime. Ruben Frank joining us to talk about the Eagles as our job is to preview all of Matt's teams. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Because they're in the area. Yeah, they're all your teams. <laughs> Just works out that way. I mean, New York is hundreds of miles away. You know, but, you know, you sit there and do the Yankee thing. All right, here we go. Let's talk about another deep playoff. Oh, that's right. That didn't happen. Um, what? Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. What? What? Which one of your teams are we previewing tomorrow? Well, if anything, it might be more Eagle stuff, but that's about it. Yeah. At some point, at some point, because I talked to her on Saturday, um, talked to her a couple times on Saturday, Kate Scott, who's the uh, new Sixers TV play-by-play voice. So mark that one down. I think that would be a... I'm actually way ahead of you on that, let's just say. Uh, Kate would be a terrific interview. I mean, you're really going to like her when you talk to her. 
Oh yeah, I, I've already seen uh, bits and pieces of one preseason game already, and I, I think she's fantastic. And all the stuff I I knew of her, but I didn't I haven't I didn't really hear much of her work. So I went back and listened to some Learfield games, and she's really impressive. She's really impressive, but she's just really nice too. I mean, you're just really really going to like her. I mean, like most of the people I talked to, me like when I was done, she said, "Hey, can I ask you something?" I said, "Sure." I said, is that Sue Guy? I said, yeah, everything we say is true. All right, so uh, <laughs> back with more in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. No, senor! No, senor! No, senor! Nobody wants to see him make it hurt nobody. Uh, but, I, but I think probably it's a reaction to, you know, there were a couple guys that were down for the count and then were back a player two later. And, yeah, I mean, our, our fans aren't stupid. I mean, they're they're watching, they know what's going on. And, I've been here 23 years. I think that's only the second time we, we've seen that kind of stuff going on. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. You've been there 23 years. You should have a better answer than that. Okay. And apparently he's been doing some things very wrong for 23 years, so don't even give me that. Well, they're far from out of the woods. Um, they were. Um, um, they do have to, as a side note, the people, who, the former players that are suing Iowa, had wanted the the coaching staff to be deposed during their bye week, and Iowa fought it. And one, and uh, they are going to be deposed in January, as part of that rather extensive lawsuit filed by the former players. Um, so that is something that again is hanging over them, and as a coaching staff, including him, they're going to have to eventually deal with in a deposition. You know, obviously, a series of depositions. All of them are going to be, you know, all all of them who are currently on the staff who were there before will be deposed. Anybody who's new to the staff would not be. Obviously, there's no reason for them to be. But that's a long-term staff, and because it's a long-term staff, it means a lot of people are going to be deposed in that. But they were able to buy themselves some time in it, and instead of the bye week in the middle of the season, they'll get to do it postseason in January. See, you learned something. I have, yes. Now, if we could te- just teach you not to hate. <laughs> <laughs> something I work on every day with your help. I mean, you hit the jackpot in life. Two great kids, great wife, you know, this show. I mean, really. (laughs) You got it right. Okay, two out of three, not bad. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure James will be asked about it tonight. James will probably bypass it. I mean, that's how I just like, hey, whatever he says, he says. Who cares?